Our topic this week, out of the book of Genesis, or at least starting out of the book of Genesis, Genesis, mankind, whose image are we in? Hey, whose image are we created in? We're created in? God's image? Right? God's image? Okay. All right. So we're going to look in the Bible and see about this. Now, this is one of these topics, a very important topic. And it's one of these topics, like several that we've seen here in the book of Genesis, that, um, that is kind of surprising to what is traditionally thought. And if you stick with it, by the end, we'll all be smiling. Right? So just hang in there and hold on to your boots. Okay, so let's go to the Bible. Let's see what the Bible has to say. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Okay, is that plain enough? Right, clear enough? All right, very good. Now, if the Bible would have ended at chapter 2, we'd be in great shape. Everything would be wonderful. But Moses got paid by the word, and so he wrote chapter 3. And that's where a problem takes place. Because in chapter 3, Eve listened to the serpent and ate from the tree that God told her not to eat from. And then she went and brought the fruit to Adam, and Adam listened to Eve and also ate of the fruit. And the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 6, verse 16, do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one's slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or obedience leading to righteousness? So who did Eve listen to? Who did Eve obey? God, who said, do not eat from that tree? Or the serpent, who said, you won't surely die? The serpent, right. So whose slave did she become? The serpent. That's right. And so women have been under the control of the devil ever since. And since Adam obeyed Eve, men have been under the control of women ever since. Right? So slaves of women ever since. <laughs> I'm only partially joking about that, right? <laughs> but we have become slaves to sin. We become slaves to disobedience. Adam and Eve have sold us out, have traded their father their God, their Lord, for a different Lord to obey him. And thus the fall took place. And so we go back to Genesis chapter 5, verse 1. This is the book of genealogy of Adam. In the day that God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. He created them male and female and blessed them and called them mankind in the day they were created. Who's the they that's referred to there? Adam and Eve, right. In the day that they were created, they were created in the image of God. But then we go just two verses later to verse 3. Adam lived 130 years and begot a son in his own image after his 
likeness, or in his own likeness, after his image, and named him Seth. So at 130 years, what image was Adam in? Was he in God's image, or was he in a fallen image, a carnal nature? Fallen nature, carnal nature. And that is the nature that Adam and Eve have passed down to the rest of us. And we go just one more chapter later, still in Genesis, still in the first six chapters, still in the first parasha, the first week of reading the Torah in a weekly cycle. And in chapter six, verse five, the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Does that sound like the image of God to you? No. Wickedness, every intent, only evil continually? That's not describing the image of God. That's not describing God. That's describing humanity. That's describing mankind since the fall. That is describing you and me in the nature that we are born into, the character that we have naturally. In John chapter 8, verse 44, you are of your father the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. Do you think uh, Yeshua was talking to just the few Jews that were standing there talking to him there? Your father is the devil? He was just talking to them? You think he was just talking to Jews in general? Or was he talking about mankind sold under sin all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, right? How many here have never lied in their whole life? Is this microphone working? <laughs> I don't see any hands going up. So we've all obeyed at some point in time the father of lies and become his servants and under his dominion, and he then is our father. That's a heavy statement. That's what Yeshua is saying about humanity. Now you say, well, at least I'm not a murderer. I've never murdered anyone. Well, that's good. What is the result of sin? Death. Death of who? Death of ourselves? And the spirit? The body? Yeshua. Yes, it's death to ourselves. The wages of sin is death. But who died as a result of those sins? Yeshua. He came to die for the sins of good people? Of sins of people who never sinned? Of sins of only people who repented? He died for the sins of the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He died for all of us. We killed him. And if we continue in sin, we crucify him afresh. 
So the result of sin is killing God. And who has sinned? Everyone. Who in particular? Me. Right. And thus, we have all committed theist side. <laughs> That's a word I made up. <laughs> we have killed God. You and I are murderers of God. Let that sink in a little bit. That is what the devil's plan was. And because we have chosen to sin, we are responsible for the death of Yeshua. We have killed God. That shows the extent and the love of God for us. That he came to save the very ones who killed him. It wasn't the Jews or the Romans. It was you and me who killed him. We are God killers when we sin. And because of sin. Does that sound like the image of God? No. No. But that is the bottom line. And how much he loves us. That he was willing to leave heaven and come here for his murderers. How hard it is to forgive anybody, let alone someone who murdered someone you love. Let alone someone who tried to murder you. And yet he came offering forgiveness and redemption to the very ones who are the responsible for his death. Oh, what love. You see, if we think we're in the image of God, we're okay, then he really didn't come to die for anyone that bad. But to really understand the depths of his love, we have to understand the truth about ourselves. So when we talk about the character of God, or the image of God, could be talking about three different aspects of it, right? So you have the physical, are we in the image of God in his physical form, right? Have, was Adam and Eve created in the physical form of God? Are we created in the physical form, in the physical image of God? And, you know, of course, I have no problem with that, that, you know, you might be uh, in the image of God, but, or that, that would mean then we look like God, right? That means that God looks like us, right? And so the question then comes, is which one of us, right? So does he have dark curly hair, or does he have light eyes, or light hair, or dark skin, or light skin, or how tall, right? So which one of us is the physical image of God? Right? And so that would be really hard for him to pick one, but of course he did, he picked me, right? So I am the one what he looks like, right? No, so we don't know, you know, so I don't think when we talk about the image of God that they were made in the image of God that he's talking about that he looked like humanity and then humanity uh, in our form, uh, physical form, looked like him. So then when we talk about the image of God, are we talking about the abilities, right? That God has the ability to think and to have emotions and love and, and caring and to have empathy, right? That's something, this is unique to humans that we have. That's why we have a large frontal lobe, much larger than the next animal that has a, uh, the next largest percentage of their brain that's a frontal lobe, much, much 
bigger than that. And that's why, you know, animals, you can see an animal, a, a squirrel will just walk right over another dead squirrel to take the, 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 uh, the, the peanut out of his mouth. You know, he doesn't care about his friend, the other squirrel. They, they just don't care for the most part, right? Uh, um, that's why your cat doesn't care about you, right? <laughs> you know? and, and some might have a little bit seeming like empathy, you know, or seeming to have some kind of emotions. And some animals have a little bit more of that, but not nearly to the extent of humans, right? So in that sense, yes, we are in the image of God. We have those abilities, the ability to create, the ability to think, the ability to make choices, right? Right and wrong choices, right? So Adam and Eve had that ability there with the tree of the Garden of Eden. So they had that ability to choose, the ability to create things, right? To mold things, to make things. You think of all the amazing things we have today. How on earth does a plane stay in the air, right? How on earth does, does a, a phone uh, send a message across the world, even not without wires. You know what I mean? It was amazing even when they did it with wires, not without wires. You know, it's beyond comprehension. It's amazing what the human mind is be able to create things and beautiful paintings and, and artwork and music. And so those abilities, uh, the animal world doesn't, doesn't have that. You know, the, you know the, some songbirds will have some songs, but that's all they have, right? They're not creating new ones, right? They have their song. Uh, and, and so God has created us in the image with abilities like he has, and we still have those. We still maintain those, but that's not what we're looking at today. Today we're talking, are we in the image of God as far as character? Do we have the character of God? Now, Adam and Eve, when they were created, they were created in the image of God in that sense. But what about you and me? That's what we're looking at today as far as character. So if we think we, humanity, are in the image of God, what does that say about divinity? If we're in the image of God and someone wants to see God, we say, just look at me. Just look at us. We're created in the image of God. Just look in the mirror. Well, what does that then say about divinity? Not very much, does it? Does this look like divinity? And we're throwing up on ourselves overdosing and destroying ourselves? Is that the image of God? Is this the image of God? Looks more like the image of Buddha to me. Or maybe Gandhi, right? You know? Now you may say, well, hey, Rabbi Jeff, you're not in such great shape. And Yeah, but I'm not saying I'm in the image of God. <laughs> That's the difference. Does God have to paint himself? Does God have to adorn himself and decorate himself? Green? That always got to me. Green. I mean, there's a few other colors, but I mean, it's basically green. The Bible says don't tattoo yourself. No, when we think of the image of God, we think of innocence. We think of little babies. They're so pure and so that we're created. That when we're created, when we're born, we're, we're innocent and pure. Well, are babies so innocent and pure? No. You take those three babies there together, you throw one pacifier in there with them, you know, or one bottle in there with some milk in it, or one toy in there, it won't be long before they're beating each other up, right? Now you got a brawl going on there. 
In the middle of the night, they, got, if they, 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 they poop their pants or they're hungry. They say, oh, mom's not up yet. I'll wait a little longer. Out of consideration, she's worked hard. Dad's worked hard all day. I don't want to bother them. No, no, no. We say, feed me. Help me. Change me. Why, 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 why? It's all self. It's all self. We're all born with a nature that is self-absorbed. Is God's image self-absorbed? Is God all about himself? Now, God is zero about himself. That's why he came here and emptied himself and was willing to die eternally, if necessary, for us. Or maybe this is the image we think of. When we think of the image of God, we look in the mirror and when we think, we're so great. Maybe no one else is in the image of God, but... Or maybe this kind of a scenario where we look in a mirror and think of what we used to be or what we think we are or what we want to be or hope to be. But the reality is, according to the Bible, Jeremiah 17 verse 9, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? We can't even know our own hearts because we are constantly lying to ourselves. We are deceitful. Our heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Does that sound like God? Does that sound like the image of God? Desperately wicked, deceitful? Who does that sound like? The evil one. Yeah. And this is a description of us, all of us, naturally, in how we're born. And so we self-deceive ourselves. We look in the mirror, we self-deceive ourselves. We look at one another, we self-deceive ourselves. This is a deception that's been going on for a long time, that we're in the image of God. And so if we think we, humanity, are in the image of God, what does that say about divinity? What does it say about humanity? If we're in the image of God, can we do any wrong? Is there any sin? Can I possibly commit a sin if I'm in the image of God? And so if I'm in the image of God, well, then whatever I feel must be good. So if I feel like doing this, I should do it. If I feel this way today, that's what I am. If I think I'm a duck, I'm a duck. Whatever I feel, just go for it, just do it, just live it out, just be yourself. Because this is how you're born. You're created this way and you're created in the image of God, so it can't be bad. You see how that lie undermines divinity? How it undermines us? and our thinking and how it affects us. And the sad thing is, where do the people of the world get this concept that they should just live out however they are, however they feel? Whatever feel like doing that day, whatever they think they are, whatever, where'd they get that from? From decades and decades, well, the evil one, but for decades and decades and decades, if not hundreds of years, of professed Bible believers and Bible preachers telling us we're in the image of God. 
And that's the same thing. If I'm in the image of God, well, I've got these feelings and I've got these thoughts and I've got these emotions and I've got these desires. And so they must be okay. They must be good. And that's why we end up with the debauchery we're seeing today. And the sins that we're seeing today, openly practiced. And now it's become cyclical. So as religionists who taught the world, you're in the image of God. And then they say, okay, well, I'm in the image of God. This is how I should live. And now that has come into religion. We're right in the houses of God, right in the houses of worship. Open, blatant, biblical sins being lived out and demonstrated. Because I'm born this way. And I have no doubt they were born that way. We're all born sinful, so whatever, it doesn't matter what your addiction is. It doesn't matter what your, your kink is. It doesn't matter what your, 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 your perversion is. We're all born perverted. So some of it's sexual perversion. Sometimes it's, sometimes it's sexual addiction. Sometimes for other people, it's food addictions. For other people, it's work addictions. For other people, it's self or pride or greed or money. Or, it's all self. It's all evil. Because all our thoughts only continually are evil. Naturally. That's the natural way. And this is the end result. And much worse, what we're seeing in society today. Just take it. It's yours. Why not? You want it. You deserve it. If we are in the image of God, why do we find it so hard to pray? Why do we find it so hard to read the Bible? Why do we find it so hard to go to services? Does God find it hard to pray? Does God find it hard to worship? No. Do we? Be honest. In our natural nature, yes, we find it hard to go to services. It's an absolute miracle that you're here tonight. It's an absolute miracle that you had a desire or thought to pray any time in your life. It's an absolute miracle that you wanted to read the Bible. It's a divine miracle of God. God hasn't given up on us. God is drawing. God is fighting against our flesh and drawing us with his love. And it's a miracle that any of us have opened up our eyes at one point in time and said, I need to pray. I'll consider what the Bible has to say. It's a miracle of God because it's not natural. It's not normal to pray. It's not normal to read the Bible. It's not normal to go to services. It's supernatural. So what does the Bible say about humanity? It doesn't say we're in the image of God. What does it say? Well, we looked at one text already that, well, a couple already that were wicked and desperately, uh, our heart is deceitful and above all things, desperately wicked and that their thoughts were evil only continually. Let's look at some more texts. Romans 8, verse 7. The carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. And we're born with a carnal mind. And the carnal mind is enmity against God. Is God enmity against himself? Is God an enemy of himself? Is God against himself? No. But we naturally are born against God, resistant to God, and don't have the power to obey the law of God in and of ourselves, in our natural 
state. It's why it's easier to do wrong than it is to do good. Galatians 5, verse 17, the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these two are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. That's what's taking place. That's the battle that's taking place. That's that great controversy that we're in the midst of where our flesh, our natural nature wants to do wrong, is against God, is enmity against God, loves sin, craves sin, desires sin, leans towards sin, and yet God's Spirit is pulling us and drawing us to come to Him. And thus this battle is waging, and we're the rope in the middle. And this battle is taking place, this fight is taking place between God and Satan, and we're in the midst. So if we think we, humanity, are in the image of God, what does that say about divinity? What does it say about humanity? What does it say about the judgment to come? If we're in the image of God, then how can God judge us? <laughs> Again, if we're like God, this is what God looks like, and, and if, this is, if we're in the image of God, then what we're doing can't be wrong. And if it can't be wrong, then how dare you judge us? for living this way, for doing these things. How dare humanity judge us? How dare God judge us? You see the end result? Whether people consciously think this or not, this is what ends up happening. And thus then, if God can't judge me, and this is how I am, this is how I'm created, this is the image of God, then just live it out and just go for it. But what does the Bible say about the judgment? Galatians 5.19, the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. Those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. There will be a judgment against sin. And these things, these are not describing them. It's describing us. It's describing me. It's describing you. All of us, at one time or another, were affected by one or more of these things. And if we've broken one, we've broken them all. Satan uses different temptations on different people, different sins to different people, but it all comes down into the same thing. Whether it's an outward sin or an inward envy or an inward lust or an inward selfish ambition, it's still all sin. And it's still all unacceptable with God. And God will not allow it into the kingdom of heaven. He cast it out of the kingdom of heaven. And he cast us out of the Garden of Eden. It's not a part of his plan. It's not a part of his image. It's not a part of his nature. In 1 Corinthians 6, 9, do not be deceived. The heart is deceitful. Don't be deceived. Neither fornicators nor adulterers or 
idolaters or adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revelers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And Revelation 21.8, the cowardly, unbelieving, murderers, abominable, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burned with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. And we can go over many other texts. The Bible is pretty clear. There will be a judgment, and there will be a judgment for sin. There will be a judgment against sinners. And that's what we're all born. That is our nature naturally. That description and many others. But there's a solution. Praise God. Yeshua said, you must be born again. God gives us a second chance on this earth. He gives us an opportunity to be born again. Now, if we're naturally in the image of God, do we need to be born again? Does the image of God need to be born into the image of God again? No. It's because we're not in the image of God. It's because we have a natural carnal nature that is enmity against God, that is resistant to God, that we need to be born again. Now, you surely didn't say, oh, you just need to have a little bit behavior modification. You need to just change one or two things. Just let's strengthen this area. Let's suppress this area a little bit. Now, born again means get rid of the old, start over, a whole new thing, rip up the paper, trash it, crush it, destroy it, kill it, and everything new. Because there is no good thing in us. There are no good, no, not one. There's none good but God. So we can't be restored. We need to be redeemed. We need to be changed. We need to be born anew. Can't be just fixed. Has to be new. Born anew. Born again. And that applied to religious, godly, nice guy Nicodemus, as well as to every single one of us. All of us need to be born anew. Paul says he dies daily. It's a daily process, an ongoing process. Ephesians 5, 8, for you were once darkness, but now you are the light, light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Romans eleven thirty, for as you were once disobedient to God, yet have now obtained mercy. Praise God. Amen. And again, we sing, we were once darkness. We were once disobedient in our carnal nature. All of us, everyone, all around the world, since Adam's fall to us today, all of us have been children of sin. All of us have been slaves to the devil. All of us have made the devil our father. And that is why we all need to be born again, everyone. And when we are, then we are now children of the light. And we can walk in the light by his grace. And yet now we have obtained mercy. Colossians 1.21, 
You who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. If indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard. So he he changes us. Once alienated from God, once enemies of God in our natural state, not born as image of God, but born against God. Yet now, after we're born again, after we've confessed the sins, after we've confessed our carnal nature, after we confessed our sinfulness, after we've confessed our killing of him, of our confessing our disobedience to him, our acknowledgement of our need of him, our acceptance of his love, our acceptance of his sacrifice in our behalf, our receiving of his forgiveness. He takes away the carnal nature. He put it into himself. And that's what killed him. Our nature in him killed him. And he who knew no sin became sin for us. And we who knew no righteousness become the righteousness of God in him. He comes and lives inside of us and changes us and transforms us. He reconciles us. And then, not just, again, a little modification, a little change, not just we accept us as we are, and he does accept us as we are, but he loves us too much to leave us as we are. He then changes us and presents us holy and blameless and above reproach. Because through his Holy Spirit coming into us and living in us, we are then able to walk as children of the light and walking in his light. And then by his grace, if we continue We're given that choice every day. Which nature do you want? Do you want to go back to the carnal nature or do you want God's nature? Every day there's a battle that goes on. The devil just doesn't go away on day one. There's a constant battle of the spirit against the flesh. And so every day God chooses, do you still want me or do you want the old slave master? Which do you want? If indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast and not moved away, of the great hope that God has given to us in his power to redeem us and save us. Romans 12, 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. In 1 Corinthians three eighteen, But we all, with unfailed face, Beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Does God need to be transformed into himself? Does the image of God need to be transformed into the image of God? No, again, we're seeing that we are transformed from what we were not to what he is. We are transformed from sinner to saved by him. Transformed from sinners, from children of the devil 
to children of God, transformed, changed from glory to glory, day to day, being transformed, an ongoing process into the same image. The same image of who are we being transformed into? The image of God. So he created Adam and Eve. His original plan for mankind was to be in the image of God. But because of the fall, we disrupted that. And thus the plan of redemption to bring us back to that. Here and now on this earth, not in the heavenly glory only, but here and now being transformed into his image. We can have the image of God. We can take on the image of God. We can be filled with the image of God. But we're not born that way. It's not normal. It's not natural. We need to be born again and transformed into the image of God. And by his grace, he makes it possible. That's the glory of the gospel. Not just the gospel that, well, I love you and just stay as a dirty, filthy rag. No, I love you, and I embrace you as you are, and I change you and transform you into his image. That's what he does for us. That's his great love. That's his great power. That's where his power is manifest. His love and his mercy and his power to change. To be transformed by the Spirit of the Lord. Not by our own spirit, not by our own desire, not by our own thoughts, but by his spirit. His spirit is powerful enough and is willing and able to transform our flesh. If we will surrender it, if we will let go, if we will allow him to do so. And that's the power of the Lord. And again, we miss this whole point of the gospel if we think we're in the image of God. There's no need to change. Well, there's not no need to change much. Just enough to satisfy my boss or society or those that's close to me. Just enough to make them happy. When we are self-deceived that we're in the image of God. But when we understand the truth about ourselves, we will understand our desperate need of him all the time for all things and everything. And we will be totally dependent on him and allowing him to change us and transform us and make us into his image. Now, even in our desperate wickedness, when God created Adam and Eve, he's so powerful in his creation and creating them in the image of God, and his spirit is still alive in this earth, that even in our desperate, wicked state, there is still some of the image of God still there. The Holy Spirit's still holding us back from going full-fledged, nutsy, crazy, demonic. Otherwise, we'd all kill ourselves long by now. And kill each other. So the Holy Spirit, the restraining power of God. And the battle still takes place. But in and of ourselves, there is no good in us. We need him. We need him. And it's all him. And so any good that's done by any of us, or before we came to the Lord, or after we came to the Lord, or someone who doesn't believe in the Lord, any good that comes out of us is only because of him. Him miraculously doing it, whether we ask for it or not. And miraculously prophesying wonderful things through Balaam, whether Balaam wanted to or not. That's a miracle of God. In spite of Balaam or other examples, 
In spite of ourselves, God still uses humanity. But that's not what makes us good. It's what makes God good. Romans 6.16, do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, right? We read this before, but we're going to read the rest of it. You are that one slave to whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or obedience leading to righteousness. But God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. So yes, we were all sold under sin. Yes, we were all sold out to the devil. Yes, we were all born as children of the devil. But God be thanked that though we were slaves of sin, though we were slaves of the devil, we were delivered by God's grace, by God's goodness, by God's sacrifice for us. He changed us. He saved us. He came and delivered us. Again, if we think we're in the image of God, then we'll save ourselves. But we can't save ourselves. We can't deliver ourselves. We can't change ourselves. We'll try a little harder. Won't work. Won't help. We need to be totally crucified with him. Yet, nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but the Messiah lives in me. And the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It's by him and him alone, by his power, by his love, by his grace, alone. Not him adding, not him helping, him alone. Self-dead, us emptied, and him filling us, him delivering us. His spirit manifested in us and through us. That's the transformation into his image. He is doing, being transformed day by day, moment by moment. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him, who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. This is a very powerful text. It says, through his great precious promises through his divine power. He's given us everything we need to live glorious lives, to live godly lives, to have life here on earth and victorious life, abundant life and life everlasting and godliness, blameless through his divine power. To him who called us by his virtue, him who came and calls us and draws us and does not give up on us, who seeks us out, who came to us while we were yet sinners, he died for us. He first loved us, him coming towards us, him redeeming us, him saving us, him delivering us. 
him seeking and finding us in our lost state transforms us and allows us to be partakers of his divine nature. That is powerful. And grab a hold of that promise. He wants to live his divine nature in us. Wow. And the crazy dichotomy that's, that's normally taught, we're in the image of God, but you can't have victory over sin. You're in the image of God, but, you know, the flesh is weak and you're going to keep doing that sin anyway. Just be forgiven. Just confess it and just do the best you can. So it's wrong on both sides. Now, we're not in the image of God, but we can have his divine nature and overcome as he overcame. Be victorious from victory to victory by his divine nature. So on the one hand, we say, oh, we're in the image of God. Well, do you have the divine nature? No, I don't have the divine nature. Can you gain victory over all sins? No, we can't gain victory over all sins. If we're partaking of his divine nature, can we gain victory over all sins? Yes. He'll make us and transform us and present us holy and blameless before the Father. As a virgin bride prepared for him. Him doing it. Him transforming us. Him changing us. And thus we're not born in a divine nature. We're not naturally that way. But his power, his gospel is so powerful, so wonderful, that it takes us from the absolute lowest depths of despair and, and, and disgust to elevating us to the divine nature. Doesn't make us divine, just him being divine in us. Any more than a hand in a glove makes the glove a hand, right? But the Holy Spirit comes into us and the divine nature lives out of this flesh for his honor and his glory by his power, transforming us and changing us. So again, the the weak gospel, it says we're in the image of God, then we really don't need to change that much, and then we can't change that much. And don't need to change that much, and won't change that much. It's very weak. But the power of God, when we realize how great a love for, how great a sinner we are. Paul said, chief of sinners. The worst sinners. Paul considered himself. And that's how we should all consider ourselves. In reality, Again, why? Because we have all killed God. And you can't get any worse than that. The chief of sinners. But he loved us anyway. And he comes after us, embraces us, and transforms us and elevates us to his divine nature, giving us victory and power over the devil and over sin. We don't have to serve the devil anymore. We don't have to be children of the devil anymore. Behold what manner of love the Father has given unto us. That you should be called sons and daughters of God. Wow. Wow. 
What love. What power. His great love for us. And so, if you have been in this, like other things that we've studied, it's been so ingrained for so long, for so many years, for so many centuries, that it's more than just hearing one sermon that we go, okay, and then it changes. It's going to take a miracle of God to break the thinking. Again, I asked you the first slide. What image are you in? Almost universally, everyone said, the image of God. In just a few minutes, we're not changing that unless the Holy Spirit comes in and does a miracle in our minds and gives us new minds and new hearts. God writing his laws into our hearts and minds, giving us the very mind of Yeshua. It's a miracle of God. It'll take a miracle of God. And so if you came in here thinking we're in the image of God and you want to allow God to change that thinking, remove that thinking, have a realistic thinking about yourself and humanity so that you can fully embrace his great love and how big his love is, how wonderful his love is, and how much we need him. And the more we realize we need him, then the more we're able to gain and benefit from him and grow in him. And so if you're willing to accept the biblical truth we've looked at today, regarding how we're naturally born. Then a moment we pray, ask God to break the hold of the past, the generational taught, 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 impressed upon us, and I believe it comes from Satan himself. And have that removed and have a new mind and a new thought. And a moment we pray, you can do that. Secondly, if you want to embrace the thought, the promise that we can be partakers of the divine nature, and you want to accept the Holy Spirit to fill you and give you his divine nature and to live out that divine nature in you, to give you a walk in the light, to transform you and be transformed and continually transformed into his image. And in a moment when we pray, if you've never done that before, never asked him into your heart, never accepted his death in your behalf, then I invite you to do that in a moment when we pray. Or to renew it. It needs to be renewed daily. And we read, if you continue. And if you want to renew it now, then in a moment when we pray, you can renew that commitment and accept the divine nature to live in you, God's image to live in you, and to be a light to the world. And shine brightly for him. Third, if in the past, maybe you've taught others, maybe you've said to others, maybe you've given the wrong impression of, to others, oh, you're good, you're, you're in the divine, and God has created you, you're in the divine nature, you're in the image of God. And it's either bolstered them up with pride or set them up for a fall. You want to ask God to go before you and to help that person, whether it was years and years ago, to see the light and to come out of that deception. Fourth, if God is impressing upon your mind and heart someone he wants you to share his love with. God's great love for us, loved us while we were murderers of him. God's impressing on your heart and mind someone you need to forgive, someone you need to love. 
Doesn't mean you need to go and be in contact with anyone who might hurt you again, but, but in heart and in mind, to love as God loved and to pray and intercede for them that they would be transformed and changed into God's image. And a moment when we pray, surrender that person to the Lord. Give over the hurt, give over the pain, give her the anger, the hatred, the revenge. Allow God to heal you and fill you with love and with mercy, with kindness, with hope and intercession on their behalf to really partake of the divine nature. God's nature loves the lost. And so fifth, if you don't have a love for the lost, not just an individual like we just described, but maybe they're lost in general, like your neighbor or someone at work. You haven't gotten to know them so you can share God's love in some tangible way. In a moment when we pray, God's impressing you with someone who doesn't know the Lord, who you know, and you know doesn't know the Lord. God's calling you to manifest the image of God to them. Now, maybe it's through witnessing, maybe it's through preaching, maybe it's through talking, maybe it's through sharing a booklet, or maybe it's just through doing some kind of kindness. Whatever it starts with, however God moves you. But to show the love of God. If you want to be filled with his spirit and let his light shine out of you to a fallen world. Then in a moment we pray, lift that person up before the Lord. Present yourself before the Lord and say, here I am, Lord, use me. Fill me with your image. Let your image shine out of me. Let your nature shine out of me. And then sixth, I think we're up to six, <laughs> whatever we're up to. If there's some sin in your life, some area, maybe one area, that you know is not right with God, that you know is in, in, in disobedience to his word, some sin, any sin, there's no small sin, all sins have killed God. And you now want to accept the divine nature and be victorious over that sin. You want to stop struggling against it. You want victory over it. You want to be transformed in that area of your life today. Whatever area it is, confess it to the Lord. Accept his forgiveness because of his death. Leave it with him. Allow him to bury it in the tomb. It's his. He paid for it. Stop holding on to it. And allow him to fill you with his Holy Spirit, his nature, his image, and give you victory and power over the devil. And whatever sin or temptation or addiction or anything, accept his power. Be partakers of the divine nature. Having everything you need for godliness and holiness in this life. So if any of those areas apply to you, let's pray together and allow his divine power to work in us. Our Lord and our God, ruler of the universe, thank you for loving us. Even in our fallen state, thank you for seeking us out. Thank you for redeeming us out of the gutter. Thank you for redeeming us even as enemies of you. Desperately wicked, with enmity against you. Thank you for coming towards us. Thank you for winning us. Thank you for loving us. 
Thank you for drawing us. Thank you for seeking us out. Thank you for dying for our sins. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for loving us and, and transforming us and changing us, redeeming us and delivering us, and remaking us from scratch, born anew, into your image with your divine nature. Live in us and out of us. Manifest that through us. Live victoriously through us. And let that light shine to everyone around us. Deliver our minds in the past and every evil lie and thought that we've been taught. Transform our minds, renew our minds into your image with your truth and your righteousness and your holiness. In Yeshua's holy name, amen.